It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and of course, wherever you get your good podcast from. Hope your weekend is going well, up to a Sunday morning, breakfast in bed maybe, if it's your birthday. We'll have a look at those birthday calls and celebrities in just a moment. It is August the 20th and coming up this morning once again we've got our seven days of real estate. Another busy week if you've been transacting this weekend. I hope that is going well. In just a moment uh, we bring you Monday's interview with Chris Gilmore there in Brisbane talking about the Brisbane property market and a bit of a nod to Logan which is very strong strong at the moment. Kate Fuller was here this week, your buyer's agent there in Adelaide, always something happening in Adelaide. And Kate wanted to point out some of the differences when buying properties in South Australia that might be a little bit different from other states. So she breaks all of that down and points out some of the things to be watchful and careful of. Antoinette Nido, she returned recently from London and we talk about whether there's any similarities between high net worth buying behaviour Behavior between London and Turak. Renee Cross from Sydney, in fact from Elizabeth Bay to be precise, she told us about her suburb there and how it's performing and what she thinks is likely to happen for the rest of 2023. And Celia Collins talks about river living, a river life. Is that something that you've actually thought about? Well, she tells us about a basic cabin uh, that is for sale, $235,000 in Bar Point in New South Wales, offering a secluded bush meets river lifestyle. Sounds pretty good if you're celebrating your birthday today for August the 20th. Many happy returns. Andrew Garfield, the actor, is turning 39. Amy Adams is 49, Demi Lovato, she's turning 30 today, and Led Zeppelin rocker Robert Plant is turning 75. We dive deep into topics like buying, selling, investing and maximising your property's value. From mortgage advice to the latest property data and trending numbers, your real estate journey starts here. It's the main centre forecast. Around the country, let's check on the weather. And first we go to Sydney, looking pretty good. Blue skies and sunshine with 22. Melbourne cloudy, no sign of any rain today. Temperature up to 17. Brisbane expecting a mainly fine day with 23. And look at that. In Perth, also a sunshiny day. Maybe a little bit of cloud cover, but no rain. Rain at all and your high 20 degrees. 
unlock the secrets of real estate and stay informed about the latest real estate buzz with hot market trends, emerging suburbs and hidden gems. I think there's so much fear out there in, in the marketplace from the media that this mortgage cliff is coming, that there's so many mortgages coming off their fixed rate, their honeymoon, and, and they'll be going from their 2% up to 6%. And I think everyone's sort of sitting back waiting for that bubble to burst and, and to pick up a bargain where I think the opposite is going to completely happen. Coming back to the prop track report, which highlights the lack of available properties, which we've talked about, the report also suggests a national increase of up to 5% in property prices by the, the end of 2023 with more growth in these larger cities. But when we look at Brisbane as being this standout performer, you look at warmer climate destinations like the Gold Coast, like Brisbane, the the Sunshine Coast. We talk about Harvey Bay even further north. So how much of an influence do you think that that helps in a downturned market for some protection to sort of pull you through these these hard times? Look, I think those areas are always going to be very popular. We saw definitely post-COVID people were able to work from home or in different locations. So we did see a massive spike on the Gold Coast and that Sunshine Coast because people were starting to move from areas and start living where they really want to live and, and enjoying that sort of lifestyle. And I think Queensland just offers a lot of that. There's just so much to do. There's so much growth there's so much employment up here. You know, we've got the Olympics coming, I think, eight years, 10 years time, whenever that is as well, too. So we know that the growth in these capital areas, the Goldie, Brisbane, Logan, Sunshine Coast, and even further north uh, is still going to see massive amount of growth. What are your uh, investors at the moment doing? Is there any sort of thing to report on your investors? So what we're seeing from an investment point of view, we're starting to see a big trend in dual occupancies, um, really hitting that sort of taste buds of investors. We're still seeing an influx of those investors. Sydney and Melbourne predominantly are still spending their money and buying up here and, and really knocking out that local buyer. The local buyer in Brisbane really sometimes can't compete. But we've seen the dual occupancy, this because of the rental crisis, I think a lot of investors are trying to one home, but offering two sort of dwellings or two occupieds where they can get double income from. So we've seen a massive trend in that sort of a property. From buying strategies, a fluctuating market, the importance of data, geographical differences, confidence in the market, rental yields. Stay informed every morning from 6am. And Kate Fuller is back with us, your local Adelaide buyer's agent, who will enlighten us on key distinctions. And that's really the point being made here, the key distinctions in property acquisitions within Adelaide and in particular South Australia. Because when purchasing in South Australia, the timeframes, procedures and legal aspects can differ from what buyers are accustomed to. So Kate, for those those without experience in this uh, region, what are the primary methods of property acquisition across different state lines? 
While there's not major differences, there's those little little items that may may differ between the states. So here in Adelaide, the most common way to purchase is actually private treaty, whereas in eastern states it may be seen more as auction. This is where there's the best offer, where conditions can be written into an offer and therefore following through with a contract. And they may consist of subject to finance, sale of another property or a pest and building inspection. However, the least complex offer will often attract the high attention from the vendor and the sales agent. Other most popular means of sale is auction. So where it is unconditional, when that hammer falls, it's your purchase. And so all due diligence needs to be conducted prior to the auction, including the pest and building inspection and confirmation of your finance or funds available through cash. So one difference here is that a pre-settlement inspection isn't a regular occurrence as it does occur in other states. And then terminology relating to the different types of housing and the legal documentation varies across the country. So it is really important to ensure you have a full understanding of what is being referred to. In line with that, I think one important thing that we find as a stumbling block at times when working with clients from interstate is just the different terminology and who is to be involved at what stage. So we use conveyances here. They have solely studied the legislation individual to the state, whereas saying Queensland solicitors are the current go-to. So conveyances have to be licensed as well to act in the state that they are conducting business in. Yeah, it's really critical. Getting finance ready, as we call it, or getting finance fit, is it can be a little bit of a journey in itself. Someone will start the journey with us, and it might be three or six months before they're actually ready to apply for that pre-approval because they've got to make some adjustments around some of their credit limits or some of their discretionary expenses to understand exactly the point you made, is it the house or the pizza? Yeah. How much of a factor is the cars? Because tell you a funny little story about me. When I bought my first property, because I got into the real estate property market at 19, I had this RX4 coupe, rotary engine, you know, full fruit. And I told the boys, look, I'm going to sell the Mazda to buy a house. And they were absolutely in shock. They said, are you mad? What are you talking about? (laughs) But you must strike this where people have got high prized assets when it comes to a car and you've got to say, hey, you know, again, what do you want? Do you want the house deposit or do you want to keep the car? Yeah, and everyone's situation is different. If, if, if someone's got a certain role and they're looking at buying a certain house and they need to increase their deposit, then it might be that it's a consideration to sell a car or sell a boat or sell a caravan. If they've got a car loan, it might be a consideration, look, do you pay that out or can you afford to carry that across? So every situation is different and we'll look at different levers, I guess, that we can look at to say, hey, if you lower your credit card limit from $30,000 to $5,000, if you pay out your car loan or pay off your hex debt, then you're actually going to be able to afford a little bit more than if you keep all of that stuff in line. So we take them on that journey and look at all those factors to say, this is how you can be in the best position to get an approval and buy the property you want that um, is in the market you're looking at. Funny little side uh, note, I tried to buy one of those RX4s a few years ago, but they're so expensive. <laughs> yeah, I know. The cost of cars, that's another story. Uh, I think the second-hand market's almost as competitive as the, the new car market. It is, right? yeah. 
Stay ahead of the competition with the latest news, insights and data analysis on the property podcast that keeps you informed. And what is the global buyer profile, do you think? And how does that sort of compare with the Melbourne market, if you can do the comparison? It's a good question. Um, in short, the profile of the global buyer in London is rich, they're discerning, and they come mainly from Middle East, but it's a real melting pot. Post the pandemic, London is seeing an influx of Chinese and Hong Kong buyers, and they tend to typically be you know, bankers or tech people. The key thing about the profile of the buyer is that they're buying as a second home and they're buying for lifestyle reasons, which is quite extraordinary when you have a look at the prices. So some notable examples is, you know, the Swiss billionaire, Ernesto Betterelli, he spent £92 million on an 80-room mansion in Belgravia, complete with a 20-metre swimming pool, luxury gym and cinema. One of our own Aussie icons, Kylie Minogue, she bought a penthouse in One Hyde Park um, some years ago. But that's the sort of um, profile buyer that is that London attracts. Like I said just before, there is a lot of activity out there and it is definitely driven by, um, you know, I think with the last two months where they've held interest rate rises, buyer confidence is back. We've got such a, it's an area where we have so much movement and we've got, you know, a lot of towers. So we have small apartments, bigger apartments. We're catering for, you know, the first home buyers coming into the market. We're catering for these people that are downsizing, investors. And what we've got is we've just got so much movement and so many people who want, if I can say it, a bit of a cliche, but they just want a piece of this action in such a strong a strong area. You can say it because, you know, real estate agents are full of cliches. <laughs> That's unfair. But there are a lot of sort of cliches when it comes to real estate because it's it's those sorts of words, the obvious words that you do use. But if we go back, say, four to six weeks ago, did it sort of surprise you in the way that it's turned in not only the Sydney market, but particularly for where you are in Elizabeth Bay? Yeah, so Greg, interesting is because I think we work, we work in such an area, you know, Elizabeth Bay, Potts Point, Rush Carters Bay. We work in an area where there's always demand, there's always movement. You know, people are, are you know coming into the area, moving out of the area. So we always have this movement. But what I what I found is that um, you know I think in the last six weeks, what we've got is buyer confidence is back. People are people are satisfied in terms of where that you know where the where interest rates are. They can see that they can see you know the future more clear now in terms of how their budget are looking, their finances are ready, and it just seems that the sentiment in with the buyers is, um, you know, very strong. Well, you've actually got an example of just that buyer confidence, I guess, because you had a rush cutter bay, what was it? It was a it was a unit, first time in 40 years going to the market, only 72 square metres, but you got a hell of a lot of interest with this one and an amazing price point. So just uh, talk to that because I think that's a very good example of what is going on in your market at the moment. 
Yeah, no, Craig, really good example. So we had the campaign as a deceased estate, uninhabitable apartment, basically. And the interesting thing is we run the campaign without a price guide because we really didn't know where it would land based on people's thoughts around, well, what are the costs of renovations? How are we going to do this? Because people have been conservative looking at, um, you know, properties that are projects at the moment. Uh, we took it to auction. Um, it needed to be an auction property because the market needed to decide where it would sell. And we had 16 registrar to, you know, buy that property. So, you know, what that tells me is there were 16 people ready to transact and ready to buy, which is quite extraordinary in terms of numbers and people that are confident enough to take on, you know, a property like that. And then just expanding on that, Craig, we had another auction, you know, two days after that in Potts Point as well. And we took seven bidders through on that one. So the, the, the volume of people that are confident and ready to transact in the market at the moment is quite extraordinary. Grab your weekly dose of inspiration to help build a real estate portfolio. We talk to the best in the business every day. Learn from the professionals and know your property with us. So $60,000, what is that buying you? Uh, Vacant land, usually on the back row without a jetty spot. Just expand on that. So how big is the site, etc.? Uh, The site would be between 500 to 700 square metres, probably about 200 metres walk from the foreshore, but those particular ones wouldn't have any designated spot to park your boat, which can make your access a little bit tricky. So tell us a little bit about a property that uh, you listed uh, recently, because this will give people an idea of the sort of value for dollar, $235,000, which I understand it's got boat access. Tell us a little bit about this property. Yeah, look, it's a great one. It's uh, about halfway on Kalinda Road. It's on the front row. Now, road is just a council access road. (laughs) It's no cars there. Um, Lovely water views. It's very close to its jetty berth and it's got a very dilapidated shed, which might have been habitable at some point, uh, but not so much anymore. And sort of inquiry rates. What happens when you list something like this at that price point? Do you find that you have some people that just they automatically reach for their phone and then they find out a few more of the details and then they go, yes, I'll get back to you. And then reality kicks in and they think, well, you know, I've got kids and all these problems that uh, forces them to stay put. Oh, look, there's definitely a bit of that because, you know, people are exploring a whole new concept. It's a new idea they've sort of only ever really dreamed of. Um, But then on the other hand, I have clients who've usually been hunting for about three years and waiting for the right one to come up. So they jump on those pretty quickly. So interest for an entry level block, um, very, very strong. We get a lot of inquiries and a lot of inspection requests. So what is happening in your local area at the moment? You know, it's been a very interesting six months in terms of the real estate landscape. Yeah, definitely. I would say that we've sort of gone back to normal, that, you know, big peak and rush has definitely gone where things were selling in one or two days, which was just madness. It's back to normal. And I would say the prices are holding. They're actually better than they were pre-pandemic. They're better than 2018, um, but just a little bit down from when it was the big peak of 2021. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.